Welcome to this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Bill is excited to be talking to you about the five leadership lids and how this affects you in your personal and professional life. Let's tune in to see what he has to say. I love you. I've got a lesson for you today. I think that, uh, that will really mean something. I know it works for all of us. And uh, so I entitled it the five leadership lids. I remember years ago seeing people that I, I really liked, and they had a lot of potential, and they had the, uh, the capacity, and they really could go places, but for whatever reason, they never reached their potential. And, and I used to think it was like they had a lid on them. It's like they could only go so far. It's like a limitation that held them. And so we're going to write out people can, can uh, find lids in their life or limitations that they're not even aware they have. They don't even know that that little tweak. In fact, I've often said if I were going to start a business today, I would love to be in the consulting business because I can look at a business or a situation and in a few minutes can say if they'll just make this little tweak. The biggest problem I have is that nobody's asking, you know, not a lot. You know, it's kind of like your kids. You're dying to tell them what to do. They just won't ask you. And if you tell them what to do, then they get offended. So you think, if you just ask me. And sometimes I go into business and I say, oh, my soul, you do this, you'll quadruple your business. And they just don't quite see that. Sometimes we're too close. I want to give you the lids that we get in our life that maybe you're too close to see. And if you see one of these and you say, that's my lid, then perhaps you can start working on that to take off that limitation. Here's what I say right off the bat. Everyone is a leader. Everyone. The first person you have to learn to lead is yourself. If you can't lead you, it's going to be hard to lead somebody else. So you have to learn to lead yourself. That's the starting point. Everybody has somebody that they influence. There's somebody that's listening to your voice or watching your example or observing you that you may not even be aware of, but that's who they are. Now, it may be only one person. You may be a, a parent and you have only one person you lead. That's okay. That one person is the most important person in the world. So make that person your goal to lead. Or it may be somebody that listens to your voice or follows you. And, and if you listen to that and you hear that voice, if they're listening to you, then make sure what you say for them is good, is helpful. I always, uh, I always pray a quick prayer when somebody will say, Bill, would you help me make this decision or lead me? I'm more concerned about giving you a wrong answer than I am leading myself because I, I, I can get over it. If I fail, make a bad decision, I can get over it. So I will quickly just say, Lord, give me wisdom. Show me what they need. Help me not to say anything. And sometimes I'll have to say, wait till tomorrow and I'll come back or give me some time. But I always want to make sure if you give information that you're doing it right because they may be totally dependent and going to obey what you ask. And so... If they do, you're already proven to be a leader. You've got somebody following. Those two facts alone verify. Now, the problem is this. How far we go in our leadership is up to us. That's our choice. Uh, we go as far as we have the capacity to lead. Not everybody has a lot of capacity. Not everybody has all the right tools. So they can go so far. But if you've got great capacity, if you can endure a lot, if you can handle a lot, if you can do those things and grow a lot, you can go as far as you want. We also go as far as we're willing to work. You always get out of it what you're willing to put into it. That's the bottom line. And so today when we look at the five things of lids or limitations, all of these are things we can control. And, um, and if we don't control them or we don't choose to, we stay at the same place all of our life. And you don't want to be that. You want to every year, January's coming up, 
You want to say every year, am I better this year than I was before? Did I move the ball at all this year? Have I accomplished things? Debbie and I will do this in December of every year. We'll write out all of our goals on a big dry write board. Then we set out that year to do it. One year about uh, before the pandemic, we had 21 major goals. I said, if we were to die before the end of next year, these are things that have to be done. Not things we just want to do, but things we have to do. Let's settle them. And I remember when we checked that last thing off, how thrilling that was. All of that was settled. And we're going to do the same for the future. Where do we want to go? What do we want to do? And the reason for that is, you know this, if you don't plan your calendar, somebody else will, okay? Something will get your calendar if you don't control it. And so we know in the future, if I want to do something, write it out, and let's set out to do it. So let me give you the five lids, all right? Now that we got the intro down, here we go. Number one, the first lid is how you view yourself and what you tell yourself. That's the first lid that's on your own life. You can call it self-image or self-esteem or whatever you like. But if you tell yourself that you can't change, you won't change. Uh, if, you, if you tell yourself, if you believe that you're not qualified or you're not worthy or you're not able, uh, if you tell yourself that, you will stay at that level. Your mind is much more potent and powerful than your body. Your mind will tell your body what to do. I, I was with a guy recently that's his, he's been through all kinds of stuff. He's been in the military, been a prisoner of war. In his situations, when I would ask him, I said, okay, let's, and we would just dive deep into it. How do you feel? He said, Bill, if I can change my mind and I don't feel pain, it didn't matter what they did, I never felt it. Now, my body would say, you're in pain, but my mind would say, no, you think on something else. And he began to talk about the power of his mind, how his mind would control his actions, his thoughts, what he felt. And I've always believed that, but listening to somebody who's been through some horrendous stuff and listening to how he said, I kept my mind there or I would have gone crazy or I would have fallen. He showed and reassured to me again, your mind has a lot more powerful than we take advantage of. So here's the deal. What you tell yourself is what you're going to accept. Whatever you tell yourself, uh, you'll believe the excuses that you tell yourself. If you think I can't, I'm not able You'll do that. And so there's also along that line, whatever you believe is true to you. That's your perception. It's true to you. If you think that, that becomes your reality. So there's a, there's a question we always have to ask. What's the story you've been telling yourself that kept you from going forward? Is it I had a bad background? I didn't do good in school. I don't have enough money. They said I wouldn't make it. Ask yourself, what's the story that I keep telling myself that keeps me from going forward? Uh, I'm not smart enough, skilled enough, lucky enough, pretty enough. Um, no one helps me. Nobody believes in me. I'm in the wrong environment, born in the wrong family. I don't have money or support organization. You can find a million excuses, and any excuse will do if that's what you look for. But you've got to find a way to say, I am not going to find an excuse. I'm going to find a way. I'm not going to find something that says, well, this is where I settled, but I'm going to make a way. I got a youngest, my youngest son, your pastor's um, baby brother, has got that attitude. My youngest son, Blake, is the most can-do human being I've ever met. I mean, right now, he, the other day he was out in, in, in San Diego. We were here and he was out there. and He's working on in his age, and his stage, 
is like ninth type rating. Now, type rating is when you fly an airplane, there are pilots in here, you know what that is. You fly private planes, and you've got to be able to be certified on that plane. And I remember years ago, he, had, he owned a Cirrus airplane. And uh, it, it's one of those planes that has a parachute, you know, and if you think you're going to crash, Debbie used to feel safe. She'd say, take me somewhere, and it'd be like, if we crash, at least you got the, got the parachute. I'd say, I don't know that I want to feel, I'd probably die of a heart attack knowing I'm parachuting to the ground. <laughs> plane's going to crash, you know. But there had had something happen. It was a rocket thing that shoots that parachute that breaks it up, up explodes it or whatever, knocks the top of the plane out and does that. Um, crazy thing is, those little rocket things, they'd quit manufacturing them at that time, and the factory had gone down. And so Blake started looking for one because his was out, and he started looking for it. And the factory said, you'll never find one. We get probably 100 calls a day. There is no such thing. There's not one in existence. If you bought one a day, you'd pay 25 times the price because somebody's sitting on gold. They said, you'll not find one. We won't even remanufacture them for another year. And so everywhere Blake called, they would tell him that. And I knew him. Debbie said, Blake said he can't even get the plane off the ground because of that. And she said, but he's still looking. I said, Debbie, I promise you, you give him two weeks. Sure enough, one night about 8 o'clock at night, he calls. I found it. And I said, what, where'd you find it? He said, you know, I could sell that thing for $300,000. He said, that's how much. It. He said, but I got to have it. And I said, well, where'd you find it? He said, craziest story. It got misdelivered three years ago to a farmer over in Australia, and it's in his barn. And he said, and I found out. I just got to get over there and get it and get it back, but I got it. It was like looking for a needle in a haystack. But here was somebody whose mind was, there is no such thing as the word no. Just because somebody, in fact, his philosophy in life, Debbie said, well, Blake, what do you do when somebody says no? And his philosophy is this. If they told you no, you're talking to the wrong person. I mean, he's that convinced. No, you're talking to the wrong person. Well, they told you no, that's the wrong person. And, and it's like, you keep going until you do that. I've never seen nothing like it, but that's the mentality. But I do believe when you can accept that, when you, can, when you reach the place that you can say, I'm not going to tell myself it can't be done, you're already out of the gate and the lid's starting to come off. Number two. The second lid we put on our life, the first we said is how you view yourself and what you tell yourself. The second is your faith and willingness to take risk. Your faith to achieve what you want or to change, you have to take risk. And by the way, you'll do it all your life if you want to grow. All your life. I'm 67 years of age now. And when we got ready to just kind of up and move, we said, all right, let's just make this happen. And there were a thousand reasons and things not to, but I knew it was God's will that I was supposed to be there at least for that time. And I mean, we just said, we're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. And we felt led to it and started doing it. I can't tell you how peaceful it was to step out into the unknown, not knowing what you're going to do, not knowing exactly what, how, what the outcome's going to be. But there's something about knowing you're doing the will of God. And there's something about stepping out in faith and stepping into the unknown that makes you come alive. It gives you fresh air. It makes you say, in fact, on the way back, we drove back from California to here the other week. And, and um, I remember I said to Debbie, I said, well, you know, what if we get lost? I said, this time let's do it a different way. I want to go a different way back than went forward because I've already seen that way. 
And I said, what if we get lost? And her quick words were like Dottie Boyd's words. She says, uh, that's okay. If we get lost, we get to see new things. And that's a good attitude. If you get lost, how many times you get lost and you complain, you gripe, oh my, if I could get back. Next time you get lost, you stop and say, hey, I'm getting to see new things. I didn't get to see this before. And if you stay there lost too long, then perhaps you want to change. But, but, um, but the key is going to be a willingness to take a risk. And your faith has also got to believe, it's got to be in God. He's got to be your security. Some of you, if you let your job or your boss and all that be the ultimate end all, you're going to limit what you, what you can do and where you can go in life. <clears throat> you need to say, look, if the boss says you're doing the best you can, he said, look, you're not going to last. Just tell him, look, I was looking for a job when I found this one. And so that's okay. I, it, listen, I know what it's like to not have a nickel in my pocket. I know what it's like to not have a job. I know what it's like to live in a trailer. I know what it's like to have bought my first car, not my first one, but really after we got married. Uh, I know what it's like to buy a car at a police auction and pay $500 for a police car with 190,000 miles. And if you got in the back seat, you couldn't get out unless somebody let you out. Um, so if somebody says, oh, you're going to lose everything you got. I've been without before. Okay. I've been at the bottom before. See, if you can stop and ask yourself that big fear, you're not going to make it. Stop and remember, some of you have been at the bottom before, and you're still here. And you've been there before, and you still made it. Don't let that fear get bigger than it is. You can say, I've been there. It's okay. And when you learn that, it makes a world of difference. We hope you enjoyed the first part of this lesson. One phrase that really stood out was, what you tell yourself, you're going to accept. Whatever you believe is true to you. What's the story you've been telling yourself that keeps you from going forward? Don't forget to stay tuned for part two of this lesson. To hear more lessons from Bill, be sure to check us out at bpleadership.com or the BP Leadership Podcast. We hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. This is where real leaders are made.